Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast with the Switch to Manual guys. I am Antonio, and I'm alone today on episode 64. I realized it's uh, the end of November, and I have yet to get an episode out, and I'm really sorry for that. November has been one of those crazy months, uh, you know, with the holiday, with Thanksgiving, and my birthday on Thanksgiving, and just a lot of freelance work, and I realized that things got away from me, And uh, but it is the 30th, and it's the last day of November, and I think I could squeak a quick episode in. Um, just, uh, this is going to be sort of a free flow of thoughts, a few things for me happened happened to me for photography wise this month and I thought I would share them it's there's no theme to this it's just my sort of stream of thoughts uh, about uh, about the stuff that's happened to me this month and I will um, start off by saying that uh, earlier in the month on uh, November 11th I think or that week um, I had hung up a show in a brewery in Brooklyn called Island to Island. They are not just a brewery. They're a juicery, fermentary, and uh, they're a brewery. And um, my friend who I work with on the television show at the place I work at, Brick, uh, a guy named Richard Burroughs, uh, for the longest time has been wanting to curate uh, some of my pictures for a show. And uh, this opportunity finally came up. And uh, it sounded like a, a lot of fun. And I went to the place to scout it out. And it was really nice. Um, I guess, you know, it's a bar and a brewery. And it's a, it's in the Prospect Lefferts uh, Garden area of Brooklyn on uh, 642 Rogers Avenue. And uh, it's not my neighborhood, but uh, I went out there and scouted it ahead of time. And uh, it's a very cool place, very long uh, uh, bar. Uh, and the, uh, one of the walls where I would be hanging my work uh, was all brick. And my first thought when I looked at the space was, okay, well, you know, I see that there was actually artwork hanging up there already. And I thought I would just use the uh, hardware that was there already, basically some, some screws into the brick. And I would just um, hang up whatever my prints were on those screws. And actually, when I got there and I and I double checked it and I was looking at the screws and I realized that all those uh, screws were in sort of um, they were in a not quite in a line. And the artwork that was there already was sort of up and down and up and down. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not sure I want to have my pictures sort of not even uh, on the on the wall. So I was a little bit, you know, head scratching there. And uh, on this wall, they have some electric conduit. Uh, right above um, where the paintings were at the current uh, exhibition was. And it's like regular, it looked like half inch or uh, I don't know if it's three quarter inch, maybe like half inch electrical conduit uh, leading to a couple of lamps that were lighting the place. And I thought that could be what I could hang my, my prints on. And uh, I thought, okay, well, now I've got sort of an idea of like rather than hanging on a brick wall, I will hang on this conduit. So I had to figure this out. So this is, I'm just sort of flowing my, my thoughts about how I had to hang the show and what was going on with it. So I'll start with at first when, uh, Richard told me about the show, uh, I was uh, deciding to figure out how to print. And I told him that I don't have a lot of money and prints are expensive. So I have to, you know, I have to sort of make some choices, uh, whether I make big prints, uh, and make very few of them or make smaller prints, uh, and, 
have a lot more of them. And and this is for my street photography work. Uh, Richard really digs my street photography work. And, and this just, the exhibition was just coming uh, together after the, um, the uh, terrorist attack in New York on uh, uh, Halloween. And uh, his idea was like, this might be a really good time to just show pictures of New Yorkers and try to get the, uh, uh, you know, get everybody to sort of feel good about being New Yorkers again and how diverse we are and how we sort of managed to, to hang in there after such a, a horrible event happened. And so uh, he was curating my pictures. He, he ended up looking through my Instagram feed and we uh, ended up narrowing it down to about, uh, what do we got, 12, 12 images. Three, six, nine, twelve. Yeah, twelve images, and which is you know, <laughs> it's hard. I got so many pictures on Instagram to choose from, and then you know, it's all people in Brooklyn, and so it was it was a tough choice to come down to uh, picking the the twelve pictures. But we did pick up twelve, and I realized that I did, you know have a only a certain amount of money to print, and um, I decided to do a couple of test prints. Uh, with this place called CG Go Prints. Uh, I've mentioned that before, this place before on the show. Uh, the, the one thing that they do really well uh, that I like is uh, canvas prints. And uh, they also do uh, metal prints, uh, printing on metal aluminum um, plates. And, well, not plates, but, you know, uh, aluminum sheets. And I decided to test both of those. And so my first test, I, I sent out uh, one of my street images to make a 12-inch by 12-inch metal uh, plate print. And my thought process was um, those were about the price range that I could afford. And the nice thing was that they had come with all the hanging hardware on the back of it. Basically, this print is on this aluminum sheet uh, cut 12 by 12. The corners are trimmed so they're round so there's no sharp edges. And what I noticed about it, actually my first idea is when they were printing on metal, I was wondering like, well, is it going to have like a metal background? Like, will the uh, dark parts or the light parts of the image actually show show the metal through it? And um, so I, I sent out a test print. I think it was, I can't remember, it was like maybe $20 or something like that. And I got it back and what it looked like literally was a print that was metal, uh, on metal, with this wooden hardware in the back for hanging. And it looked like to me that they put some sort of substrate on the metal ahead of time and then print on that. So the metal was almost like a backing rather than uh, it being any part of the image or the quality of the picture, any kind of texture. It was really just the uh, sort of the the, like I said, the substrate, sort of the backing of this print. So it looks like they put some sort of coating on it uh, or a piece of paper and they adhere it to the metal. They print on that and everything, and then everything is sealed. Now, I'll tell you one thing. It looks really, really, really good. There's a metal, there's a, it's, it's like I said, the corners are rounded. Uh, I did a 12 by 12 inch. And on the back of it is a sort of a wooden uh, beveled frame uh, that you can then just hang up, put a nail in your wall and hang this thing up without any problems. And I thought, okay, well, this is a really good, that's a really good um, option for uh, hanging because then it's just nails in the wall or whatever, and then I hang up. But this is before I had actually visited the uh, brewery where my pictures were. Uh, and so um, 
I did that test and then I actually spoke to Richard about the size and he was a little bit iffy about the size. He said, you know, um, one of the things about your pictures that are uh, that are great is that um, they, they kind of need to be seen close up. And, and I want to he was this is him saying and he wants to move them away from the screen. So if they're too small, they actually sort of still resemble the size of the pictures that are on the screen, which most of these pictures I have are on Instagram and everybody is sort of interacting with them, myself included, on a very small scale, you know, on an on iPhone or iPad. Uh, and I'm seeing them in the back of my camera. So they're very small. And he said, I'd like to move that away. And so, OK, I said, well, all right, that's going to be a little tricky because that means we're going to have to make them larger and that's going to be more expensive. So I don't know if we can make that many prints. So I went back to CG Go prints and I looked and they had their canvases that were 16 inches by 16 inches and they were a decent price. They were about the same price as the 12 inch by 12 inch metal prints. So I said, okay, well, maybe I could do canvases. And the plus about the canvases, again, they have the hardware in the background for just uh, on the back of the, the prints for just hanging. And so that would save me some time with having to create frames. Actually, I didn't want to frame this show at all because mainly it's an expense. Uh, and also, I'm not sure the pictures, I'm not sure my street photography needs to be framed. I'm not, sh I'm not entirely, uh, you know, sure about how my presentation is. Uh, with these images, but I was like, you know what, the, the canvases are nice because they go edge to edge, they're not expensive, and I can get them done fast. And so I actually sent out another test to CG Go Prints, and this time they had a discount on a an 11 by, it's not 11 by 14, a 16 by 20 uh, canvas, and I put one of my color images on that. And I know it's not square because the pictures I was going to hang up were square, but I just really wanted to see a test to see how the street photography looked and the textures uh, uh, on the on the canvas looked. And when I got it back, um, it was actually a mistake. They had cropped it wrong. And so the picture uh, was not quite the way I wanted it. But it was good because I was just doing a test, you know, even though it was a $30 test. And I figured one little test or two little tests is not going to break the bank and it's going to get me an idea of how I want to print the pictures. And I looked, and, and the, the pictures seemed to work on canvas. I had always had this idea that canvas might might not be a great way to display prints, but uh, the, the technology's gotten better, and the resolution is better. And, you know, maybe some images don't look good on canvas, I would say, but, you know, these didn't look so bad. And, again, I was trying to weigh and balance, like, you know, I want to create an image of a certain size, and I have to only have a certain budget to print. And I thought, all right, well, this might be a good option. So I got it back, and it looked good. It was okay. Uh, and again, I did these test prints before I had actually gone to the gallery uh, brewery to, to actually see how they were going to be hung. And uh, fast forwarding a little bit, um, I ended up talking to uh, Richard, the curator, again. And somewhere in the process, we had realized that the, the show actually, I, originally the show I thought was going to be going up November 16th. But then we found out it was actually going to go up November, November 11th. So I lost a week of time. And actually, I'd already placed an order with CG Go Prints for 12 16 by 16 canvases. And when I found out the date change, I realized these prints were not going to come in in time for me to hang them. And so I had to quickly run and cancel that order. And in the meantime, while I was canceling that order, I was also figuring out, like, where am I gonna, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get prints made? And so I went to a local place. Um, called Adorama. I mean, they're not local. They're those are national, you know, the, they sell prints and, and cameras nationwide, but they're actually based in New York City and in Brooklyn. And I realized that I could do prints with them. 
and I looked at their website, and they would do 20 by 20 uh, regular prints, nothing special about them, and then uh, adhere them to a foam core backing uh, for about the same price as the canvases, the 16 by 16 canvas or the 12 by 12 metal print. And I thought, okay, well, 20 by 20 is a little bit bigger than I thought I would like, but I was like, well, I can get them done, and because I could pick them up here locally, that I would actually get them in time so that I could hang the show up. And so I put the I put the order in. It was about the same price as uh, the uh, CG Go prints for the canvases. I, I was sorry to cancel with them. I actually told them on the phone, like, if if I didn't lose a week of time, I would have I would have used uh, you guys, but I had to I had to stop their order and they were they were really cool that's a very nice place and they they were able to cancel the order in time i mean it was just in the nick of time uh, because i think it was about to go to print and so i was able to cancel that and get a refund um thank you guys <laughs> shout out to cg go prints for your great customer service and uh, i got the print um uh, order set up with adorama and then i had uh, gone to the gallery to take a look and i noticed okay well the nails uh in the walls in the bricks were were kind of not quite lined up i was like oh my gosh i can't really i really don't want to see my prints up and down up and down i really want them to even be even and then i saw this electrical conduit on the top of the wall and i thought okay well maybe i can use that to hang up the prints with and so i had to start thinking about uh, a mounting system to hook up the prints and hang them from this um from this conduit and so the prints were being made and I had like maybe a day to figure this out uh, maybe two days and my wife actually helped me and what we ended up coming up with was a system to literally just put a chain on the back of the print and hang it uh, using a molding hook from the conduit and what that allowed me to do is like uh, by using a chain rather than any kind of wire, I figured the, the chain would actually help me uh, be able to adjust the height. So I'll describe this really fast. Uh, a molding hook is a hook, sort of a flat piece of metal that's bent into an S shape that's used um, for hanging up artwork, especially in, in old apartments or houses that have molding near the top of the ceiling and where people don't want to hang nails into their walls. They'll use these things called molding hooks and they'll put those in the molding and will hook onto the molding and then there's another hook that you then wrap a wire around or a string and then you can hang your print from that. And I've been aware of molding hooks for a very long time because I used to have an apartment that had moldings and, and so I learned about molding hooks. And I thought, okay, well that would be the perfect size to hang on the conduit. And then I just needed to figure out a chain kind of link that would go to the back of the print and hang the print. And so I came up with this idea with these um, uh, little 3M plastic hooks. You probably see them in the store a lot at, at uh, Lowe's or uh, Home Depot or something like that. And they have an adhesive on it, and, and it's a non-permanent adhesive. Now, they have all sorts of different kind of hooks. So they can connect, you can hook wires up to your wall or... Um, put uh, Christmas lights on a wall and stuff like that. And these little plastic, they have all different shapes and sizes. And the common thing they have in them is this sort of non-permanent adhesive that when you want to take the hook off, you can actually just sort of pull a tab and the adhesive comes off. And I thought, okay, that's a really good idea because if I end up selling these prints, what I can end up doing is pulling these little, if someone who buys a print doesn't want these. Uh, this doesn't want this hanging system. We can pull those little tabs off 
off the backing of the of the foam core of the backing of the print and they can have a flat print which they can then mount or put into a frame or do whatever they want so i thought okay that's a really good idea and so i went to home depot and i found a bunch of these um 3m uh they're actually for cabling for uh, uh like um uh the cable like for your cable box like putting wire that that thickness of wire i found a i found a bunch of those and I found a thin chain, uh, maybe like a quarter inch thick, you know, light chain uh, that's also meant for hanging. And it fit into those uh, 3M plastic uh, hooks. And I bought some S hooks, small teeny tiny S hooks, because I would use those to connect the chain. And the, the benefit of that was that I would have a chain of a certain length. And because there's an unevenness perhaps to the conduit, I could change the length of the chain by just using the S hook. I wouldn't have to use, if I used fishing wire or regular hanging wire and I'd have to set a height for the prints, if they were not at the same height, then I'd have to sort of undo the the wiring and then retie it up. And that would take a lot of time. Whereas the advantage to the S hooks in a chain is that I would just have to unhook the chain and find a different link and connect it. And that could change the height of the print. And so that worked out. So when I finally got all this, I got the prints back. They look great, by the way. Um, they were all just mounted on, on foam core. They were a, a glossy surface. Uh, and let me talk about the, the print size in a second. Um, I, I got all the mounting uh, hooked up. I had already measured the length that I really wanted, the, um, how far I wanted them to hang down from the conduit. And I had a system to uh, set up the little plastic hooks on the, the plastic 3M hooks in the back at the same height for every print. Um, that was easily easily done. And then I cut all the chain to the same length. I mean, I bought like 70 foot of uh, feet of these little chains, um, but they weren't that expensive. And I was able to cut each one to, I think it was a five foot length. And when I got to the place to start hanging the prints, I basically create, I'll show you uh, pictures in the show notes so you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. At least you'll see the front. I don't, I don't have pictures of the back. But I was able to quickly hang up the prints uh, and adjust their height relative to each other so they all looked even down the line. And all I needed to do was sort of create a triangle-shaped, uh, you know, I put one part of the chain into the molding hook and then this sort of triangle behind it uh, where the chain's connected behind the print, and they use this little S-clip to connect the chains. Um, and the two things that happened that were really good, first of all, it hung up really fast. So when Richard was there at the bar, and, and we basically just hung up the prints, and then we started to arrange them into, the, into groups. We did four groups of three prints, and it was a mix of black and white and color. So we were able to spend a more time, instead of me spending a lot of time hanging the prints and tweaking them, we were able to set up the groups and, and we came up with these little these four groupings. So we were able to do that really fast. So I was able to hang up the show really in like an hour or two, maybe maybe an hour just to get it you know initially hung up and then another hour for tweaking the height and then gluing on little uh, name tags underneath them. But it was really fast. And the other thing is that the wall at the bar is exposed brick and then there's this metal conduit. And you know what? The chain that was hanging with the prints looked like it belonged there. It was an actually aesthetically pleasing way to hang the prints. And the uh, once I hung them up, now again they were just 
prints on foam core. So they're very light. They don't weigh anything, which means they might bounce around a little bit. So I used a little of that uh, blue fun tack kind of stuff, and I tacked the bottom of the prints, and I pushed those against the wall. So at least the prints would be sort of coming off the brick wall a little bit, and hopefully the fun tack would keep them adhered a little bit without, being, again, a permanent, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to glue the prints to the wall. I was using this fun tax and hopefully it will stick to the wall. But if anything, even if it does come off, it will keep the prints slightly off the wall a little bit. So they're not sort of at an angle from the, from the way they're hanging. So it was a very elegant, simple solution. It didn't really cost a lot of money. I think the, altogether the prints were, uh, I think $31, $32 a piece for a 20 by 20, 20 inches by 20 inches square uh, mounted on a foam core board or presentation board as it's also known as. And actually the, the mounting of the board was about, was a bit more expensive than the actual print itself. I think the print was like, I don't know, $12, $13. And uh, then the um, mounting on the back was about, 15 or 16 dollars per print but it still worked out you know it was like 32 33 dollars per print for a 20 by 20 and again i was able to uh cheers to adorama for actually getting them to me a day earlier than they said they would it really helped me uh get them hung up in enough time and and by the time the show opened everything looked great and it was all set up and um you know, I had a small opening on the Saturday, which was uh, Veterans Day, Saturday, November 11th, and I had a few friends over. I didn't, I didn't broadcast a lot of it out there because uh, a lot of stuff was going on in November, and I was just not in a great mood in general, and I wasn't really um, uh, overly excited about the show. I love that Richard uh, curated, and I love the fact that uh, Island to Island uh, Brewery allowed me to have the show there, and I'm really thankful to all that. It's just my personal thing was I didn't. I didn't um, I didn't broadcast the the opening to as much as many people as I probably could have, and that's just me being I'm just I was in an, I was just off in the middle of November, which is one of the reasons why we don't have a second show. I mean, this is the the first show of November for our street shots, so it's just been one of those months that's not you know real world is sort of interfering. But anyway, uh, a few friends did show up. I was really excited. We went out and had dinner afterwards, and the show looked really nice. And uh, I got to actually speak a little bit um, to the people who were who were at the opening uh, about my my show, and it was a, uh, a nice moment to sort of think about why I was uh, d- doing this um, these street photography uh, street photos of people in Brooklyn. And uh, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what my whole thing is about my photography especially the street stuff and and um, why I'm doing it so it's a uh, you know hanging the pictures up and really and trying to describe them to people and just try to describe the processes really um, you know it's all the stuff that's in my head and now I have to sort of broadcast it out to the world and make it sound like I'm not just talking a bunch of um, you know BS and and it didn't come out as BS, but it's interesting because when you live with all these thoughts in your mind about your photography and then, then you know, you live with them and you're having this conversation with yourself. But then when you finally have to actually describe it to somebody else and you have to give your thoughts and, and your ideas to somebody else, it's, a, it's an interesting process. And I actually recommend doing that, uh, getting out of your head and talking about your photography to somebody else because... Um, and, and, you know, actually asking for some reasonable feedback If like, do I sound like I'm, you know, full of crap or uh, does this actually make any kind of sense? And it's nice to talk that out with somebody else 
because um, it, you know, when you have that dialogue in your head, you really do, you're you're kind of biased and you're you're sort of stuck in a in a loop. And it may you know maybe a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not saying it's one or the other, but when you have to then vocalize uh, your thoughts to somebody else about what you're doing, um, and and maybe they help you sort of gel the t- idea. They say, "Oh, I see where you're going with that. Maybe you mean something like this." And like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's what I'm trying to get at. I think it's a very helpful thing to do. So that was one of the lessons that I'm learning about uh, this show, and I think every show in general. I mean, I've only had I've only had a few shows. The other show I had was um, the Brooklyn Botanic Garden, and and uh, I was doing a then and now. Uh, series with the photographer who is no longer with us, but who had photographed the Brooklyn Botanic Garden, you know, a hundred years prior to when I was shooting it. And I was doing pictures that were not exactly the same, but sort of the same areas that this photographer did. And I had to sort of think about like, what am I trying to do here? Am I really trying to do a then and now, or am I trying to show an update? And and I can't quite remember what, what I was talking about then, but uh, it was helpful that I had talked to uh, my friend, Gene, who has been on the show, Gene Mealy. And, uh, you know, vocalize the stuff. So when, when the gallery was opened, uh, when I had the opening of the show, I was able to talk about my work to people and it made sense and even made more sense to me. So anyway, that was one of the lessons I've learned uh, about doing a show. But I, I would suggest that don't even wait to do a show. Like really, if you have a project in mind that you're doing and you're working on these pictures and you have some idea in your head, maybe like talk about that with somebody else or maybe even a few people and, and see if they can help you gel the idea together and it, it'll help you make more sense. It's just this, you know, we're so, as photographers, we're so insulated by our, on, our, on our own and we're in our own little circles all the time that sometimes we really need to step out of that. And, uh, you know, one of the things we do on, on uh, Switch to Manual is we have these uh, photo uh, critiques that we offer uh, on our website. It's one of the way, great ways to support this show is to use our um, portfolio reviews. And, and it's nice to get someone else's point of view about your pictures. Like, what, what do they see? Now, maybe they'll be critical and say it's not good or it's not bad. But it's like, what else do they see in your work? What is the common theme that they see throughout the whole pictures? You know, and having this guy, Richard uh, Burroughs, uh, curate my show, he's been looking at my photography for a while on Instagram. And he's, you know, he's seeing something that I wasn't really aware of. And the timing of this, uh, when the attack happened and this, idea that New York is this melting pot. Again, we have to we have to sort of remember that all the time. And, uh, you know, we talked about um, what we're trying to show in the in the pictures. And and, uh, you know, when I ended up describing to the people who were at the bar, like what my thought process was when I was shooting, it was really helpful to. And again, it's not just to have it in your head. It's really to say it out loud to 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 other people, Um, get those voices out of your head. So that was lesson number one. Lesson number two that I learned was when uh, Richard first said that the pictures, uh, he would prefer to see them large. And I had a sort of resistance to that because I'm you know, like, like, well, they live on Instagram and they should be small. And he was like, well, no, let's let's move them away from that. And everybody sees them on the screen already. And how can we make this different? And uh, deciding to uh, enlarge them. You know, uh, when I first told him I was going to do 12 by 12 metal prints, he was like, well, it's a little small, but it's like if that's what you can afford, you know, then we'll do it. And then I had decided then to say, well, maybe I could do larger canvases, uh, 16 by 16. So I told him and he was a little bit more excited that because I was a bigger print. Uh, but when I had to cancel those because we lost a week of time in terms of hanging the show and I had to go to Adorama and do 20 by 20, I'm going to call that a happy accident. Not really an accident, but sort of happy occurrence. 
um, because when I got the prints back and they were 20 by 20, I was looking at them a lot differently than I was looking at them when I have seen them on the screen. And literally my pictures right now live on a computer screen, not even a computer screen, a an iPhone screen or the back of my camera. And I am rarely seeing them larger than um, than that size. Now, I have a big printer. Um, I have an Epson 3800. It can print 17 by 22. Uh, I haven't had it running in a while, and I need to actually clean the heads on it. So I just haven't been running prints through it in a while. And sometimes I printed my work. I, and we've talked about this on the show, like really printing the work that you love. I just haven't been spending the time printing, and I need to actually clean the printer. But this was this show was impetus to get these things printed, uh, these pictures large, because they're going to go in a bar, and they have to have some size. And so when I decided to go 20 by 20, which was the same price as all the other prints I had made, and I was like, okay, well, well, I'll see them large this time. And what was really interesting, actually a couple things happened. First of all, when I gave Richard a picture to make a flyer for this show, he took one of my images of a Hasidic gentleman uh, it was a really nice picture, and he actually enlarged just the guy's head, and then he made the flyer. I'll, I'll attach this image to the show notes so that you can see it. And I realized I never saw this picture of this guy that close up. And I looked, and what I had noticed, and I'm sure what he had noticed with this Hasidic gentleman was wearing these headphones in his ears. And they weren't just like regular iPhone earphones. They were just like, you know, like headphones. And it was like, you know, part of me thought like, um, this guy's listening to tunes. Uh, I, you know, he's probably listening to something else, but there's something really cool about that. And it's like, I had never noticed that this guy was wearing headphones. I mean, I've, I've, I love this shot and I've actually posted a few times, but I, I rarely looked at it at a hundred percent. I don't, like I, I've said this to me before on other shows, I'm pretty much staying away from the computer to process my pictures. I'm not loading them up in Lightroom and, and processing them. I'm doing all that on my iPhone. Uh, sometimes on my iPad, but in my iPhone. So the image stays small. And again, I'm kind of always looking at the whole picture when I'm, when I'm processing one of my images. And I'm not looking at the individual bits and pieces. And so when Richard took this picture and enlarged it of this guy's head and, and is a bit and piece, and I saw these headphones, I'm like, whoa, that's cool. So when I got the prints back from Adorama at 20 by 20, I was starting to see things in my prints that I had never seen before. <laughs> there was this picture I took of these two women walking down the street and one woman, you know, her mouth is open and she's, you know, she's laughing or saying something. I just caught her in the middle of that, of that uh, gesture. I'm looking at her hands. She's got this incredibly ornate henna tattoo on her hands. And I had not noticed that. Again, of course, when you're looking on an iPhone or iPad, you can pinch and zoom and, and whatnot and see the picture. So I'm not totally unable to see the, the you know, I can actually see things at 100% on my phone. I just don't do that. When I look at a picture, I sort of look at the whole thing. I'm not looking at individual pieces. I'm not looking for flaws and stuff like that. And again, you know, if I was sitting on my computer and I was processing, I might be looking at them at 100%. One of the things I like to talk about when I'm, teaching people Photoshop is that when you're working on a picture, you really actually do want to look at it at hundred percent and see those pixels and, and the grain. And sometimes you want to work at it. I and mean, of course it's important to see the overall picture and shrink it down on your screen so you can see what's going on. But when you're doing some kind of work on it, it's generally good to see it a hundred percent, excuse me. But my street shots, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about the technical overall too much. You know, if there's a little out of focus or there's a little, you know, piece of dust on the thing. I don't really care that much. So I'm never really obsessing by looking at it close up. But this time, the 20 by 20 prints, 
I'm sort of forced to look at it. They're pr- that's a decent size uh, print, and they I was seeing details that I had not seen before. Now, of course, I was starting to see some flaws in the processing, but I was like, you know what? That doesn't really matter because I'm not I'm really not obsessing about that process so much anymore. I mean, but I saw some things. Well, maybe I could fix that, but I was like, nah, don't worry about it. You know, not too much. But seeing seeing these things big oh, oh so then when i hung them up in the space they took up the right amount of space in the place and we did these uh this grouping of um i did six black and white and six color pictures and it, that was sort of a on purpose i wanted to show some of my color and then we had actually grouped them in groups of th- four groups of three and we did color one group of color and then a group of black and white and another group of black and white and then another group of color. So that's, that's it. And, and you'll see in the show notes, I'll show you pictures of the, of the way they're set up. Um, you'll see how they are. And they're the right size for the space. I mean, that was the other thing. It's like, I don't think having the small prints would have worked 12 by 12 would definitely not have worked. They would have been too small. Or if I, if I was going to do 12 by 12, I would have to do a lot more prints because then it would be a different kind of a viewing experience. And the 16 by 16 canvases, they might have worked, but they were probably just a hair too small for the space. And uh, again, my main concern with the with the metal and the canvas prints was the mounting hardware in the background because I really wanted to just go there and hang them up. But then when I got there and I realized that the, the nails that they had in the walls already were, were not even, I thought that's not the way my show is going to look. It's not going to be good that way. So... It, everything worked out. Getting the prints twenty by twenty, figuring out that hey, this, they just happened to have this conduit on the top, uh, and, and and being able to set it up that way, it was a perfect situation. And then being able to see them at twenty by twenty, you know, and the the bar is narrow, so people are sort of forced to get close to it. So it does take what what Richard was saying is like let's move them out of the world of the computer and the phone and the iPad and let's get them into the real world. And again, like I've talked about that before, one of the pleasures about printing your pictures is you're getting them out into the real world and people are seeing them in 3d and you're seeing them in 3d. And the other thing is that you're controlling the, um, the size of the prints. You're controlling the viewer's experience. So those are my lessons. I thought I figured I wanted to share that with somebody, <laughs> share it with you, uh, take from it with, with what you will. But um, the two things are the takeaways are, you know, talk to people about your projects and your ideas, get them out of your head a little bit and, and help have your friends and, and people help uh, refine your ideas. And you might actually be able to get something from that. And, you know, print your pictures. Think about how they're going to live in the world. Um, maybe they are. Maybe they only do live in Instagram. Like for me, I was thinking maybe my pictures have to only live in Instagram. But, you know, printing for this show gave me a, a, a different option and a different way to look at my pictures. Okay, so... We're just past Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was my birthday. Every every few years, my birthday actually falls on Thanksgiving, depending on how the calendar goes. But this year, it was on Thanksgiving. And I've been hinting on Facebook uh, uh, to, to everybody else uh, up until my birthday that I really wanted to get this Polaroid camera, this Polaroid uh, one-step uh, number two that uh, I saw at the photo expo and I talked to you guys about uh, last month. And um, my wife took the hint. <laughs> it was, you know, because I kept posting, I like, 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 like this. Uh, so she got the hint, and um, I wasn't 
you know, I was kind of half expecting to get it, but I wasn't really, you know, expecting to get it. And, you know, on my birthday, she goes, oh, you've got these presents. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's, the, I'm thinking it's a Polaroid. But I was like, not 100% sure. Of course, I opened it up and it was the Polaroid One Step 2 with this little white camera and uh, a couple of packs of film, uh, a, a pack of color film and a pack of black and white film. And um, I was really excited by it. Here we go. This is New York, right? Got the middle of the street. Let's <laughs> go by or cops. Car. Anyway, so um, this was I opened it up on Thanksgiving and we were having some friends over. Our friends and neighbors uh, were coming over for Thanksgiving. And I thought, well, this is going to be a perfect opportunity to test the camera. And so I loaded up a pack of film. And uh, actually, I had to charge it. This camera is um, it's got a built in battery, which is very different than the old Polaroids. The old Polaroid cameras, the film uh, packs came with batteries built into them. And so the camera was just an empty box, essentially, with a lens. And you would put the film in there and then it would activate the camera. And this is a bit different. This has got a built in battery. And so you charge it up through USB and it's got a few other features that are really nice, make it much nicer than the first one. You can, it's got a self-timer button, so you can press the button and you can set up the camera, press the button, and then run into your own picture. Whereas before, you couldn't do that. You had to sort of do a selfie version if you wanted to do it. And what else does it have? It, it, you don't use a flash bar now. For those of us who are old enough to know the old Polaroids, you either had a flash cube or a flash, flash bar that you stuck into the front. Well, this has got its own built-in flash, hence the battery in the camera. The battery in the camera is charging up the flash. Um, it's got two exposure modes Maybe actually three. It's got a normal, it's got a light and a dark. Um, and you can't change the focus. You can't change the aperture. So it's totally shoot by, I mean, it's not even shooting in manual. It's like you're shooting with what the camera is giving you. Like the only thing you can do is change the exposure up and down a little bit. Um, it's probably something else that I'm forgetting. Uh, but I, anyway, that's that's the basics of the camera. The viewfinder is, you know, you put your face up to the camera and you take the picture. The, it gives you a certain distance that you have to be in order to be in focus. And uh, it's just like the cameras that I used to remember. And I, we had Thanksgiving dinner and we took uh, I took a group shot first of everybody at our table with my regular Fuji camera. And I used the remote um, app application on my iPhone to trigger it so I could actually see in the picture. And then I said, well, wait, I'm going to do one with, you know, while we're all here, I want to do one with the, the new Polaroid. So I took out the Polaroid and. I screwed it to the to the. Uh, it's got a tripod socket on the bottom, so I, I screwed that there. I read the quick directions how to set up the the self timer and put a put a pack of color film in. And the the uh, well, hang on a second. I'll get to that. The film is a little uh, interesting, but uh, put that in and set up the self timer and press the button and ran into the picture. And you know, four seconds later, poof, you know, the flash goes off. Took the picture. The film spits out. Uh, it gets covered by, there's this little black uh, sort of curtain that covers the picture when it spits out. And after reading the directions, a couple of things were interesting. First of all, it says it takes 10 to 15 minutes to process a picture. Now, that's not how long I remember it took with the old days. But all right. It, um, the other thing they say is don't wave it. You know how people used to take the Polaroids and, you know, they, and they wave it like as, A, that's going to make the, uh, processing happened faster, which it never did. It was just some some person came up with this, and everybody was waving it. Probably damaged the print in some way. This the instructions specifically say don't wave it. I think what's going to happen is you will damage it somehow. 
Uh, the other thing they say um, is to try to keep it uh, away from light at the beginning of the processing for a while. So it's still somewhat sensitive to light. So it's probably a good idea to like, you know, take the picture and then stick it in your pocket for a minute and just let it sit there for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes for the full processing. I guess one of the things I did was I just turned it over onto a tabletop so it was facing down so there wasn't light on it. I thought that was probably as good as sticking it into a dark, you know, envelope or anything like that. And uh, so I, I, I took the picture and we waited the, you know, I actually turned it around a couple times to take a look at it as it was coming up. And uh, one of the things that, that I love about, I've always loved about Polaroid is that sort of magic of the print sort of appearing out of nothing. And, uh, you know, 10 or 15 minutes later, I, the print came up and it, you know what, it looked like the old Polaroids that I loved and remembered. There's something to the quality of the way it produces the image. It's maybe not the best quality, but that's all relative to what you want. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a Polaroid camera. It's an instant camera. But they had th this new impossible project that's built this um, one step two and their film stock. They have duplicated the experience almost exactly, at least as, as I remember it. The, even there's a certain look to the film, to the picture when it comes out, even with the flash. Now, what's what's really good about this is the flash on this camera is a lot more even than it used to be in the past. And the, the flash bars and the flash cubes didn't really throw out a, a and there was never an even amount of light. But somehow this flash seems to be better. It's more powerful and it was the exposure was better. Um, there's a certain soft quality to skin tones and a, it almost looks like, um, I don't know if I can, I don't know how to describe it. There's an ethereal look to the way the highlights are, are presented in, in this, uh, in Polaroid films, at least with this instant film, not the peel away films for those of us that this is different than the peel aways. This is the, uh, SX 70, the automatic film, the square stuff. There was a certain look to that. They, they matched it exactly, at least as far as I can remember. And I'm looking at this print as it's coming up. I'll post a picture of it from, you know, the, the group picture that I took with it. And because uh, it looks really fun. And it's, you know, it's cheesy in a way, too. It just reminds me of the old days. And it was great. It was the same experience. So I'm really happy to have this gift. And so a couple of things is that this camera has two kinds of film that you can buy. Uh, Polaroid makes a film for the old cameras that don't have batteries in them. So the one I was telling you about before, and, and they also make a film stock that, um, so they have made one film stock that's got batteries built in it, but they do make another film stock that doesn't have the batteries built in them. And this camera doesn't actually require film with batteries because it's got its own battery. But the film that my wife gave me with the camera, I think they both have the batteries and the black and white and the color. And it might've been that's the only one that was available. Um, because it's kind of hard to find the film and it was, you know, it's, uh, it's the holiday season. So that film is probably selling out a lot, but it didn't matter, but it's, the film was not cheap. <laughs> so it, th there's only eight exposures per pack. I don't always remember there being eight exposures, uh, but I can't remember entirely. You know, I know there was a, at least eight in the old film. There might've been 10, but there might've been eight. I can't remember. I also remember way back when that it wasn't cheap. I mean, as a kid, I was, I couldn't aff like afford to buy this film all the time. So I didn't use the Polaroid that much. So it wasn't cheap then. So, you know, adjusted for inflation, it might be fine, but it's about $2 a shot. Now for the film packs that have the battery in it, it's a little bit more than $2, especially because you're paying sales tax and whatnot. I think the films were like, uh, I think it's like $19 a pack. 
maybe $18 a pack, depending on where you buy them from. So, you know, and there's only eight shots to it. So, you know, do the math. It's a little over two bucks. So I've, so far, I've only taken, since November 23rd, I've only taken two pictures <laughs> with, with the film stocks. One is the group picture, another picture of my cat, Opie, of course, which I did post on Instagram. Uh, I took a picture of it and posted it on Instagram. That's the other thing is that with these Polaroids, you obviously got to take a picture of the picture and then post it if you want to share it. But that's fine because that's the fun of it. Uh, yeah, the, the, this Polaroid does not have any digital uh, aspects to it. It's only this Polaroid film. And so it's not like it's, you can record the picture on a, you know, on a, on a card or something like that and share it. It is the, the film is the, the, the object. That's it. The, the picture that s- spits out is the only copy you have of that picture. So I've only done two shots. So I was like, okay, $4. But you know what? I can't think about it that way because that's not the, you know, if I'm thinking about the economics of it, it doesn't make any sense to shoot these pictures at all. But uh, I, so far I've only got, because I only have two packs of film. But I'm going away this weekend. Tomorrow, today's Thursday. I'm recording this on Thursday. Tomorrow uh, we're going to a friend's house in Connecticut. There will be a bunch of us together. And so I pre-ordered, and it better be coming today, uh, from B&H. I ordered like six packs of, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six packs, six more packs of color film. And so I'm with friends, you know, we'll take a few, we'll take pictures and I'll share them and give them away and, you know, take pictures of them and share them. And um, so, yeah, I spent a few bucks uh, on buying some extra film uh, to, to, to shoot this weekend with. And my whole goal is like, that's what the camera is for is to go out and share these pictures with people and, and have a good time. And so this is kind of like the old days. The other thing I remembered as I'm getting, I'm opening this box that my wife gave me for my birthday, um, the Polaroid box, is that I've had Polaroid cameras ever since I was a kid. In fact, I think a Polaroid camera was my, f- might have been my first camera ever. I mean, I might have had, an, well, I know I've had an Instamatic. Those of you who are old enough to remember Instamatics, that might have been my first camera, but I can't remember exactly. But I did have a Polaroid a land camera which was the kind of film where you had uh, you pulled out a white tab first and then you pulled out the film. And as you pulled out the whole pack of film, it, it rolled through these rollers that popped the um, uh, developer. And then as it rolled, it squeezed the developer onto the print. And then you pulled it out and then you waited while the print was still attached to this uh, substrate. You waited for like a minute or two and then you would peel it apart and then you would have your your print, and you threw away the other stuff. And sometimes you had to actually coat that print with a with a um, coating that would fix the print so it wouldn't fade. That was for the black and white film. Sometimes with the color film, they had that built in. But I started thinking about it. It's like, well, I was going back into time, and I realized every Polaroid camera I've ever owned was given to me for my birthday. My mom gave me... Uh, at least one or two Polaroid cameras when I was a kid. Uh, somewhere along the line, I don't know how long I had those sort of, but somewhere along the line, my ex-wife gave me one for my birthday, and I, I can't even remember what kind of camera that was. Now I'm thinking about it, but I knew she gave me one, and um, and then this one uh, from my wife. Now she gave me uh, a Polaroid camera. So I've only ever gotten these for my birthday. I've never actually gone out and bought one for myself, which I thought, oh, that's really interesting. Um, I actually kind of like that because, you know, it, 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 I still get surprised as a photographer. Usually people have a hard time buying gifts for me because like I buy everything that I want, you know? So like, you know, my, my Amazon wish list is really, you know, 
I put stuff up on there that I wouldn't buy as a photographer that I couldn't write off on my taxes, you know, so it's kind of hard. But this one, you know, I obviously I hinted at it ahead of time. But, you know, the camera was only $99. And so that's not a bad price for a camera. And, you know, the film packs are, like I said, they're a little pricey, but you pick and choose the shots you want to take. You know, it's not like you're running out, and, you know, certainly not digital. You're not running out and taking a dozen shots of things. So each picture, you know, you think about a little bit more. And that's fine, you know, what the heck, there's no big deal for that. I'm not, you know, wrapping this thing around my neck and going, well, I, you know what, I haven't done any street shots with it yet. I, like I said, I've only taken two shots with it. So I'm going to see how this is going to fit into my, uh, you know, future of going out on the street and taking pictures. I don't know, but I got a feeling it will. Like on top of this, I've told you guys before that I've backed uh, two different uh, Kickstarter projects for instant cameras. One is the... A Lomo um, camera. I'm spacing out on what the name was, but I just got an email today saying that they're getting ready to manufacture and ship it. Uh, and I spoke to the uh, in the last show when I when I went to the photo expo. I spoke to the the guys at Lomo about that camera. So I've got that camera on order, and that uses Fuji instant film. Their square film, so their equivalent of the Polaroid film. Don't know how much that is per pack, but I, I imagine it's uh, close to uh, Polaroid camera. And then I've got another one called the, the Jolly Look or Jolly Cam, which is a another instant camera that uses Fuji Instax film. It doesn't use the square stuff; it uses the miniature film. So it's like a it's like a teeny tiny business card size print. And the camera is it looks like an old style camera with a bellows. Uh, and uh, it just it looks old on purpose, and it has a little crank so that when you take a picture, you actually have to crank out the instant film by itself, and then it processes it, and that's another instant camera. So I'm going to have, you know, maybe by spring, I'm going to have, like, three instant cameras. Um, so I will be using them, I don't know how exactly, I mean, certainly for fun and friends and stuff like that, but, you know, this idea of the Instax camera, the film is a little cheaper, uh, the, this Jolly Cam or Jolly Look. Um, again, I'm not remembering the name, so uh, I'll post it in the show notes again. But I know the film is cheaper, and like I can imagine taking that out into the world and like, you know, going up to someone and taking a picture of them and maybe taking two pictures of them, giving them one and then taking another for myself and, uh, and having it and being a low-cost way of, you know, interacting with people. I don't know. But, you know, I, I said by the end of the year, I think I said earlier in this year, I wanted to experiment with film. So technically, <laughs> I am experimenting with film. I'm just using instant film, not, you know, negatives or slides. I'm using instant film. So I am I am getting into this. But the, the Polaroid that I have now really, really kicked in some fun memories and experiences that I had, and especially the way it processed. And, you know, we talked about that magic in photography. And we don't really get a lot of that from digital uh, just because it's not, it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with digital. I love digital, and I remember when I I switched over from film to digital, I was so happy. Like I don't have to work with film anymore. Um, the magic is, you know, we talk about magic and things still happening and appearing out of nothing, and uh, somehow you know Polaroid still taps into that, and it's really nice getting a, a sort of a, a memory of that when I took the the two pictures that I have already with my Polaroid. Um, taking those two shots and and looking at them and even the way they came up uh, I know the processing is taking a lot longer it definitely takes a lot longer than the, when the first Polaroid came out way way longer 
But um, there's still that magic of seeing something come out of nothing. And, you know, we don't get that in digital. We get some other kind of pleasures from digital. Absolutely. You know, without a doubt. But to sort of tap back into the the way film used to be or the way at least these instant cameras used to be. And, uh, you know, it might be worth the two bucks, two or three bucks per shot to see that once in a while. And, you know, the idea of slowing down, you know, I'm it's going to cost me a couple of bucks to take this picture. So let me think about it, you know, but uh, if I have some disposable income and I'm going to buy I'm going to buy film when I can get it. You know, the Polaroid film is a lot of fun. I can store that and it can sit on my shelf for a while. So, you know, every time I get a few extra bucks, uh, you know, I'll buy another pack of film and, and have that uh, so I can use it. So it's really exciting. I like to be able to share that experience with you. And I'll put the, I think I've got three Polaroid shots. I got one that they took of me at the booth at the Photo Expo. So I'll post that up. It was really nice because they used, they have Polaroid film now that's got colored frames on it. So instead of just a white border now, uh, you can get multiple color, like rainbow colors. You can get a black. I think they have black and they have gold and silver. So the, and again, it's, it's treating the um, print, the photograph as an object. You know, I was talk- talking before in the about my show. You know, these are things that are now entering the third dimension. They become an object of appeal. So there's a big plus to that. I, I like that. That's a lot different than just regular digital photography where we notice that so much of the stuff lives on a computer and is seen on a screen. And not, like I said, nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm not dissing it. I'm just talking about having a different experience. And in a few episodes back, remember, I talked about the Penumbra uh, organization in the city, and we had uh, a tintype portrait. My wife and I got a portrait of us. And that was, a, that, was a, that was an ultra-magical experience because that is an entirely old process. And to see that sort of brought you know, up to date, uh, even though my wife and I were dressed like old, you know, old style in the 20s, but there was something really beyond magical about that. So, you know, I think I think revisiting some of these old techniques and stuff, it's just it's a nice way to sort of remember the roots of photography and uh, really just to have fun, to also bring the fun back into photography and not have to have this, you know, yeah, I like the idea that the print comes out and you're done. I don't have to do anything. The only thing I have to do if I want to share it is I have to take a picture of it. But I can do that with my phone or my camera and, you know, take a picture of it and then share it. I've done that already a couple of times. So it's a lot of fun. There's nothing big about big deal about that. But this idea that the, the picture is finished, you know, you take a picture and it's done. You know, that was one of the that was one of the pluses of film is that if you shot slide film, you were pretty much done with the picture not black and white negatives or negatives in general because then you really had to print those. But I like that idea of having a having a final picture. So anyway, I just realized I've rambled. You've been hearing me in your voice, in your head <laughs> for, for about 50 minutes now. So I didn't think I could talk this long. Anyway, I wanted to get this show out in November. Uh, I'm going to endeavor on posting this t- today at some point. So this will be coming into your feed today or tonight. And uh, December's coming up. I know we'll try to get, I'll definitely get one show in December. I don't know if I'll get a second show. And, um, you know, if you got any suggestions for what things to talk about, uh, you know, send me a note at info at switchtomanual.com and we'll see who can talk about it. I don't know if uh, Tom will be available. He's during the, you know, holidays is certainly a busy time for him too because he's a pastor and, you know, he's got a whole flock of people to tend to to the holidays. So I'm not sure we'll be able to get him on the show, but I might be able to get uh, Sid or Mac from the, um, uh, Shutter Time podcast to join me 
uh, to co-host. Uh, and so if you guys have any suggestions or you want to hear us talk about, just, you know, send me an email or, or send us a, you know, a, a note on Twitter uh, at uh, switch the number two manual or at AM Rosario. You can send it to me directly. Uh, that'd be fine. But uh, we'll, we'll definitely have at least one show in December. And again, I'm trying to work on doing two, you know, two a month. Uh, it, you know, sometimes, like I said, life kicks in there and it really gets tricky. But um, I really enjoy doing the show for you guys. And so uh, well, you can find us at uh, switchtomanual.com. And from there, you can get all the links to like our portfolio review, uh, which we do. Um, we have paid portfolio reviews. If you want to get your pictures uh, critiqued by some professionals, uh, go there and, and check us out. It's a great way to help support uh, our podcast because uh, you're paying us to do a service and we, put, we can put that money directly into into putting putting the show together. So switchmillennial.com slash portfolios for portfolio reviews. And where else? We're on Facebook. Please like us on Facebook. We enjoy hanging out there and posting pictures and talking to people. And we are at Twitter, like I said, at switch the number two manual. So switch to manual. And while you're there, you might as well follow me at Am Rosario, or even Tom at uh, Witness Photog, P-H-O-T-O-G. And oh, the other thing I want to quickly say is that um, uh, go check out the Shutter Time podcast, the latest episode. Uh, I'm on with uh, Brian Manier and um, oh my God, I'm going to space out on his name because I can't pronounce it. Dave, we'll call him usually Happy Dave. From the Digital Soup podcast and and Sid and Mac, we have a really good discussion about um, about this place that does free stock photography. But go go check it out, the Shutter Time podcast with Sid and Mac. Uh, I'll link you guys up in the show notes. Um, it was a really good discussion. It's a bit long, but uh, I think you get a lot out of it. And, and sorry, Dave, I you know I need to have your name in front of me to pronounce it. But I usually like it's Casual Dave or usual usually Happy Dave. But he's at the Digital Soup podcast. And uh, he joins uh, all of us on this great discussion. So go check that out. I want to make sure I threw that in there. What else? Um, oh, if you guys listen to us on iTunes, please give us ratings and reviews. Uh, we'd like to get up into the ratings just because we want more people to hear the show. So if you do that there, maybe uh, iTunes will take note and uh, give us a little plug. So what else? Am I leaving anything else out? Uh, that's it. I think... Uh, I will uh, talk to you guys in a few couple of few weeks and uh, hope you had a great uh, Thanksgiving holiday or and, uh, you know, now go and uh, get ready for Christmas and <laughs> the new year and uh, try to be uh, try to be good photographers and everything like that. So uh, thanks for hanging in there with me and listen, letting me talk to you guys for an hour. And uh, until later, um, I will see you. Uh, see you later. And adios.